This is Making Shift Happen, and I'm your host, Jen Cates. Over the years, I've coached hundreds of clients to find their ideal self through the way they nourish their bodies and minds, and now I'm here to help pass on these same strategies to you. So let's stop the madness and get your results once and for all. Let's go. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another episode of Making Shift Happen. Today, I'm so excited. I have Natalie Collins on for an interview today. And the reason I'm excited is because Natalie and I, we, we kind of have these Venn diagrams of friends and like acquaintances and things like that. And I've had time and time again, folks that tell me, Hey, you have to reach out to Natalie. You have to you know, work with Natalie, work, reach out to Natalie. She wants to be on the podcast, blah, blah, blah. So without further ado, I present Natalie Collins from Pedal Fit. Hello, Natalie. So tell the listeners a little bit about you and, and your story about Natalie and Pedal Fit. Thanks for the um, introduction there. The The thing that I like the least is telling my story and about myself. But as we talked about before the podcast, I am a woman, which means I am uh, generally going to undersell myself, unfortunately. So I'm going to step up to the plate this time. And, yes, and tell let's, do it. let's do yeah. it. So uh, let's see. I'm from Indiana. Uh, so I, got, I have that Midwestern empath, uh, people pleaser, you know, type uh, three fun kind of thing. Uh, and I don't like to spend other people's money, even though I have a retail business. So that's an interesting mix. And then I went to school in Kentucky. I played division one uh, basketball at Moorhead State. Uh, unfortunately, I had four knee surgeries, so I didn't get to finish out my career there. And then I went to Kentucky uh, for PT school. Absolutely loved it. Uh, and kind of got that Appalachian culture that... Still addicted to bluegrass music. We have that. My wife Same. and I uh, had, yeah. had a bluegrass band at our wedding. You know that kind of thing. Oh yeah, love, oh, it. Yeah. love it. I used to live oh, in North yeah. Carolina, so I appreciate that. Oh yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Colorado for my whole adult life and my pro- my professional career. Uh, started PT work. Uh, I guess it would have been 13, 14 years ago. Loved it, uh, but uh, being a cyclist myself and seeing. We tend to uh, bring on uh, our own clients of like mind and like interest, especially in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And so I was just seeing a ton of cyclists needed um, to have that understanding of how to treat a cyclist or um, yeah, treat a cyclist uniquely because mm-hmm. it is a unique uh, perspective and treatment type. And I needed the service myself. I needed physical therapy and I also needed bike fitting. Went and had the service a few times, and quite frankly, I didn't feel as though there was a service, especially bike fitting, uh, combined with physical therapy, that was comprehensive enough for, you know, I just went and got my doctorate and obsessed over all the details of my profession, <laughs> super passionate, just thinking, wait a minute, here I am disconnected from the sport itself and the athlete in their sport. And then you have this other set of individuals who basically have one hand. Well, I shouldn't say this uh, this way. I would feel like I had one hand tied behind my back if I tried to address the sport without the knowledge of the body. And it was just super frustrating for me. Mm -hmm. And again, I like type three fun. So I adventured into learning about bike fitting and physical therapy. The rest is history. It was a long learning process. A lot of learn as I go, unfortunately, learn from my failures. I have amazing clients who 
communicated and helped me learn. And over the last six, seven years, I've been having a great time with it. I've been doing Heck it about, yeah. <laughs> about 10 or 11 years. So nice. That. Yeah, I, I own uh, Pedal Fit. That's the business I started, sort of the business model as well. And we have locations in Golden and Denver. I didn't realize you had two locations, actually. Yeah. I just thought you had the Golden location. Well, oh, damn, yes. I'm learning things even uh-huh. right now. And I was on your website. Oh, man. I, I must have no, just, I'm blind. I'm blind sometimes. Business is not my uh, forte for sure. But <laughs> and I have a colleague, Ashley uh, King, who's also a physical therapist. And she's uh, an elite uh, racer. So she brings on a really nice side of uh, understanding for that elite cyclist. Awesome. Well, I love that you can like really span from personal experience. So you've taken like your personal experience of injury and things like that. And you've really just kind of like blossomed through that, which is good. And I think we all kind of have that story, right? You know, that's really like what triggered us, you know, to get kind of involved, what makes us really passionate about this. And I love that. Um, I know personally, I've heard, I have several clients who've seen you for, you know, for, for fittings and things like that. And um, they do nothing but rave about it because well, it's so. Same with you. Well, it, it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. But like, but seriously, like, I think the combination of having that PT aspect, you know, as a physical therapist, and really knowing the human body, anatomy, functionality, and things like that, and then applying it to fitting on the bike, given mm-hmm. any limitations or things like that. And I, I don't want to call limitations because you know it makes people sound broken, um, but. Yeah. You know, just things that you need to kind of like attend, uh, right. be, be conscious of. It's um, okay to normalize that most of us are broken yeah. in some way or yeah. we have goals that make us shoot for the stars or whatever it is. Yeah, but it's not a bad thing. It's not no, a bad not thing. No, not at all. It, just, it, makes me, it makes me cringe when everyone's like imbalances or like that mm-hmm. you're, you, you, there's no hope for you or you need to just no. stop the sport. And it it's just makes me cringy. It's like nails on a chalkboard. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, I love that. Take the fear out of improvement, you know? Yeah, you really do. Because then it kind of makes the limitations not seem like they're present, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, thanks for sharing that story. Because I feel like that's that's so magical just to kind of know your, your journey from like Division One experience, injury, and kind of overcoming that. Um, and of course, your love for bluegrass, which I didn't oh, know. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I have to say like, from a personal aspect, when I moved to North Carolina and I first was introduced to bluegrass, I was like, what in the heck <laughs> is this, you know? And automatically it, I, tap your foot. Yeah, well, I did. <laughs> so I did automatically tap my foot, like, but I was hesitant. And I think it was just because, you know, I'll be vulnerable here, but like being a queer person, you know, mm-hmm. I kind of equate like that with like country music and like, like, 100%. I just have, I just have things just from my, my upbringing. And so I had that like normal gut response. And then when I realized like, no, dude, bluegrass actually attracts like really awesome people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I have to share that with the listeners. You know, I yeah. also have that same experience. I think yeah. that's it's so lovely to have a bluegrass band at our wedding. And yeah, I love it. Randy Carlisle. Oh, I love so, that even more. Oh man, I love it. Well, we can talk about Randy later. Oh yeah. But, um, so when, when exactly did you get into biking? You know, like, what did that kind of look like and feel like for you? Like, did someone introduce it to you? Like, what happened? You know, biking has been an evolution for me uh, as I've sort of grown up into an adult. I'm trying still not to be an adult, but as I've grown up into adult, so as my biking, you know, it, it has really evolved and changed. Again, with the type three fun, when I first, 
I couldn't play basketball anymore. When I was in college, I was heartbroken, had all this competitive energy, and I was very uh, dedicated to torturing myself. I went straight into triathlons. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's one way to torture yourself. <laughs> uh, luckily, I got out of that because all the triathlons in Kentucky when I was in school uh, were in the lakes, and I found out that snakes can swim underwater. So I stopped with that mess. Uh, anyway, at some point, moved to Colorado, fell in love with mountain biking. And that was my first experience with type two fun, you know, and type one fun where I could actually have fun while I was working in just this unbridled enjoyment of physical activity. It was my first experience with that. And I fell in love and it's all been up and downhill since then. Literally. <laughs> was it mount, was it mountain biking or was it road cycling? Oh, uh, like, mountain biking. You, mountain um, biking I, so nice. Yeah. Oh, mountain biking. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Now I also gra ride gravel. We did a trip last year in Slovenia and we did, did all gravel. Oh, did you bike in Slovenia? Gravel to uh, kind of start leaning towards mountain biking at some point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, let's go ride this little trail. <laughs> I already tried that with my partner in terms of like mountain biking and the risk to reward ratio was not in her favor, uh -huh. um, but, but she did recently state that she'd be open to exploring gravel biking, but hey, you know what being risk. open is all you yeah. have to use for. I'll take it. Give me that little, that little crack and I'll try to like, <laughs> I will try to open it as much as I can. <laughs> I will force gravel cycling on you. No, I'm just kidding. But it is so fun. And like you said, there's like this unbridled joy. And like, I think it's just that sense of freedom. It kind of brings you back to mm -hmm. being a kid. You know, like if you were ever on a bike when you were a kid, which a lot of us were, um, yeah, it's just that sense of like, oh man, I'm doing this thing. And now it's it's powered by me. It's not like a car, you know, where I just turn the attention. I think of anything else, you know? Uh, well, I don't feel like I can really think of much else. I'm just no. in the moment. Yeah. It totally is. It's like movement meditation, 100%. Yeah, I always find like it's the most present that I am mm -hmm. is when I'm on the bike, you know, and there are moments when maybe I'm grinding uphill and I'm thinking about some sort of difficulty that I'm exploring or getting through and I'm just trying to get the demons out of my legs, what I call it. But other than that, like especially dodging trees or going downhill on a single track, yeah, you're totally present. You have to be. Which is so good. I'm glad, so glad you said that. Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk about poor bike fit because, yeah, it's winter. <laughs> And I just want to go ahead and say, friends who are listening, it's winter now. Uh -huh. If you're ever interested in getting a bike fit, do it now. <laughs> like, do it now and like early spring. Don't wait until a week before. Don't do that to Natalie. Don't, or in the other bike fitters. Or yourself. Or yourself. Yeah, or yourself, because you want to get used <laughs> to the bike fit itself. Like, don't wait until the week before an event to get a bike fitting and stuff. Um, coming from someone who has done that in the past. Oh, yeah, you know, because things weren't working. Like I'm just saying, like from experience, like don't do that to yourself. Mm -hmm. You have Me to too. give yourself a few rides to like get get used to the bike fit and everything too, and then make adjustments. So exactly. speaking of bike fits, mm -hmm. what are what are some symptoms of a poor bike fit that might need to be addressed that you see often? Well, I think the obvious symptoms would be musculoskeletal related. Mm -hmm. Oh, my knee hurts. It hurts worse when I ride. Despite my uh, attempts to ignore it, it gets worse. Those are the, you know, that's the obvious uh, thing. And then numbness and tingling are 
in some cases less obvious to me, they're very obvious because if, if a limb is telling you that it's just ready to give up, mm-hmm. it's really important to address it. Uh, but so many people have numbness and tingling. It's you know, regular. It's uh, become sort of the normal and that's not the case, but maybe the less obvious reason to get a bike fit is two, re- uh, two things. Um, one, you shouldn't have to work to hold yourself on the bike. The bike should be there. It should provide support. It should help you lay out over the bike. It should also help you um, preserve energy. It shouldn't be inefficient. You shouldn't have to push backwards to avoid problems, things like that. Those postural adjustments that people have to do on the bike take a ton of energy and are oftentimes the reasons why people don't enjoy riding for a little bit longer or um, they default to, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this shorter trail. It's a little less fun, but I just poop out and I can't descend like I need to because of this or that. And it's all my technical skills and whatnot in the front range where we are here in golden Colorado. That's where I'm talking to you today. So much of it is straight up and then straight down. (laughs) You know, so there's not, yeah, I know. There, there's not obviously when we get into the mountains a little bit, uh, we get these undulated uh, trails, and maybe that's a little bit more friendly. But even if you're working really hard to position yourself on the bike, you're just sucking out all that energy and, quite frankly, a lot of the joy of riding your bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, biking shouldn't hurt, and uh, you know it shouldn't cause you discomfort. Obviously, we're going to be uncomfortable if we're fatigued or. Uh, whatnot, but it shouldn't hurt. If you're hurting, do something about it. Yeah, that that shaking of your hand in numbness that I see mm-hmm. often. You know, like listen to that, pay attention to it for sure. Um, what about like numbness while you're descending? Like, what is your thinking about like hand numbness from descending and maybe breaking, or is that more like, do you think like a postural thing or a technique thing, or could it be a bike thing? both for sure. Um, you know, I don't usually talk about bike fitting in a vacuum because I'm a physical therapist and a bike fitter. And so I don't see just adjusting the bike as a fix for most things or, you know, just working on, uh, mobility exercises, for example, or something like that. Um, but oftentimes what's happening is again, even when descending, people are working too hard to control the bike. Let's say, their um, handlebars are too high or they're rotated slightly. And most handlebars have sweep, uh, which is the portion of the handlebar that comes back towards you. Uh, And some of them have rise and whatnot. And those are very important positional components that change your hand position uh, that determine whether or not you're putting pressure on your ulnar nerve uh, or for example, um, it, let's say you've been pedaling for a good bit of time and caused some, what I like to call inhibition of some muscles because of a neck position, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine yeah. a, a pretty cranked up neck that's ticked off and it turns off your triceps. So you don't have, you only have 50% of your tricep strength that you would normally have. And then you try to descend. Well, you're going to end up locking out your arm. It's going to be very difficult for you to have proper form and so on. So again, it's hard for me to talk about bike fitting just in a vacuum, but I would say there are specific components that could even help you with descending. 
Yeah, that's awesome. That's good to know. And it's a good point about the neck issue. As someone who's like experiencing active neck issues right no. now. Yeah, just from car. I've had so many car accidents, Natalie. Okay. Oh my God. I've been rear ended because I used to live in Florida and like Florida is oh, really like the state of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like we're just a bunch of Floridians, right? And I think I was in like in three car accidents by the time I was 18. Oh, I'm so you know? sorry. And that's fine. It happens. But like whiplash, you know, it's definitely sure. a real thing, very real thing. And especially with me being in my mid 40s now, like, yeah, I'm starting to feel the accumulation now. Mm -hmm. um, like, I'm the type of person I made a post the other day. Like I'm at that age where sleeping wrong can cause an injury. Oh, I you know. know. <laughs> oh, I know. So humbling. So humbling. And I'm only saying that because I do hear it quite often from other clients that I've worked with and athletes I've worked with over the years where they're just like, man, I feel so good in my workouts. But then if I sleep wrong or something goes awry and it's something that's so basic, you know, um, it's kind of just a little frustrating, I think, for yeah. for them, for sure. I know it's frustrating for me, but I don't want to talk about me. I want to talk about them. Um, so, yeah, I think that's when it kind of becomes a little bit of a dynamic. So for you, as a bike fitter and a PT, do you tend to look at, like, the whole person uh, oh, yeah. in that type of scenario? Like, hey, you're having neck issues. Like, let, let's see what's causing these neck issues, you know? Yes. My job, or or the way I like to practice because it is a practice. I really like to, to demystify things. So understanding the person comprehensively, telling them it's normal to not be normal because there's no such thing as normal. <laughs> and then prioritizing any injuries that are coming down the pipeline or any treatment of any injuries. Most of the, most of the time, in my experience, when people think about PT, they just think about a long list of things that are going to be responsibilities that are going to be difficult to get to. And I really try to keep that from happening. And so if I can understand someone comprehensively, I have a better chance of getting to the root cause of the problem. Mm -hmm. And by getting to the root cause of the problem, generally there's one solution. Yeah. Understanding what makes them better, what makes them worse uh, from that root cause problem, give them a solution off the bike. And then that helps me understand how to position them on the bike. Very few people need the exact same thing. You know, we're all sort of our own Rubik's cube. And so by, again, not having bike fitting and physical therapy in that vacuum, we can simplify things so much and basically streamline. And my goal is always to keep the workload both on the bike and off the bike as minimal as possible. They can work on performance and all the really cool stuff with you, you know. Um, and my job is to make sure that they have that baseline or to uh, take away any sort of uh, issue, musculoskeletal, neuromuscular, whatever it is, so that as they build on the performance, they just get to have a better time, feel better. Yeah. Most of us are biking to be healthy, whether that's emotionally or physically. Uh, for me, it's even more emotionally than it is physically but regardless anything that keeps us from doing that makes us feel well it would make me feel as though well okay i'm doing this to be healthy but i feel unhealthy yeah i'm frustrated by an injury which gets me down or this injury is keeping me from being healthy so as i improve my um, cardiovascular system and whatnot i feel like my musculoskeletal system is suffering and i hate that part of it yeah no for sure Mm -hmm. And I do like that you, with your services, I know you break it down 
uh, on your website between like performance, medical fit, and like, you know, a new bike consulting and things like that. And like mm-hmm. having an additional bike at a reduced cost. And, and it's really nice to kind of see that breakdown, you know, because you have the medical fit session for those riders specifically who are having injuries, you know, um, numbness and or like any type of advanced performance related issues. So I love that you do break down and you're treating not every person the same, which is good. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's And I love how you said a Rubik's cube because yeah. I really, I think that's so more accurate than even just saying a puzzle because man, Rubik's cubes are even more frustrating <laughs> to kind of explore. I know. Eight seconds or something, and yeah. Oh man, yeah. I think my partner can do it in maybe like two minutes. I mean, I want to see that. Gonna... I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. Maybe three. I don't know. Like she's kind of lost it a little bit now, but you know, when she was doing it regularly, because she uh-huh. you can train yourself. There's like methods behind doing really? it, and I was like, I had no. Yeah, exactly. I had no idea. Uh, it was kind of her pandemic project. So. <laughs> Better than sourdough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, better than sourdough. Although I don't know, I wouldn't have complained if, it, if you know one of us did sourdough. We didn't. Do well, sourdough. yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I benefited from sourdough. I bet. Well, I benefited from the friends that made sourdough and stuff. There like you that, go. Which is great. Um. So I know for you online, you did mention like in your services that hey, you do some follow up visits after bike yeah. fit and things like that. But I'm curious, like how often should folks get a bike fit? and any follow-up visits in general? Like, do you have any general terms for that? So my favorite answer for almost any question like this is it depends. Of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will try to make it as stream or straightforward as I can. Generally, I like to do at least one follow-up uh, visit per bike fit. Not everybody has time for that, but I do like to include that in the initial service. So come in, you do a, a bike fitting a good amount of time, so many people are taking in all this information. Uh, a lot of the feedback is drinking from a, uh, uh, what do you call it? Drinking from a fire hose. Fire hose. Yeah, fire hose. Thank you. Uh, and, you know, I think that's a very valuable part of any experience, any service or whatnot is the learning. Maybe that's just me and I'm odd like that. But uh, I think it's very important, especially for learning how to sit on a bike and learning how to feel, setting expectations, things like that. So they might be, a little distracted by the learning process. I'm asking them for a ton of feedback. I like to put images up on the screen and say, okay, this is how I want you to feel. Really important to set expectations, but I also like for people to go out and ride and see if we're meeting those expectations and be in their own element, in their own environment, in their own sort of headspace to assess how they're feeling and process some of the things. And then come back generally with uh, performance fittings. I like people, which performance fittings is just the absence of the musculoskeletal or neuromuscular symptoms, you know, so I don't have knee pain that bothers me continuously, or I don't have a lot of numbness and tingling, that kind of thing. Uh, Maybe a little bit of one or the other or both, Um, but it's not the demanding part of why they're coming in. They're really coming in because they're doing, uh, you know, something fun, whatever level that is, it could be Leadville 100, or they want to be able to clear the stairs on North Table, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have some goals or something they're excited about. Um, and they need to go try it. They need to see what it feels like. So with the performance fitting, generally I like for people to come back within 30 days. It's a good amount of time for that accountability, staying in the same headspace um, that you left the session with. 
with the medical fitting, they're going to have probably some things to work on. So they need a little bit more time for the body to adapt and then give us uh, the opportunity to adjust things based on either how they feel or how their body adapted. You know, the bike is only adjustable. That's the limitation of a bike. You can adjust a bike, put it against the wall. It makes you feel no better. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But the body is adaptable. So in my mind, I'm always trying to think about how to naturally make someone better or feel better or uh, whatever it is by adjusting the bike. Yeah. Matching that with the off bike stuff. I love that idea of mm-hmm. adjustability versus adaptability, you know, yeah. the bike versus the body. That's such a cool way to put it. So it's thanks so for that perspective. About that. It's really important. Yeah. And then that should answer a lot of the questions about when do you come back? You know, mm-hmm. well, it depends. Bike parts move, unfortunately, because no matter what, we torque them to the right specs. If we over torque them and keep them from moving, then they break, you know, things like that. So we really have to be very, very specific and careful about how we adjust things. Uh, But bike parts move. And because bike fitting is based on the millimeter uh, and the fraction of a degree, uh, a little bit of movement can cause pretty big issues. And so that's one reason if you feel like something's moved or if, you know, holding yourself to those expectations of feeling really good after the fitting, if something has changed about how you feel or if your body's adapted and we can adapt in a positive way or we can adapt in a negative way. And we need to kind of let ourselves accept or give ourselves grace for either situation. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, obviously the big things are, a large weight gain or a large weight loss uh, or, uh, you know, which can occur with pregnancy or if we did have an injury or if we've been off the bike for a little while or all of a sudden we rode the bike a ton and uh, some of the things that we talked about during the fitting have uh, changed. So Mm -hmm. in a perfect world, maybe once a year, just do a little check-in and uh, that helps me personally understand how that individual is changing or staying the same, whatever it is. Uh, But otherwise, when you get a new bike is generally when you come in or uh, some new components, that kind of thing. Yeah. you feel a difference. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be probably coming to see you. Hopefully in the next few weeks. Yeah. I'm I'm waiting for the new bike. I'm going, I'm getting a cross country bike. Uh Oh. Yeah. And I'm going to the dark side, back to the dark side. I don't even know what's going on here. What'd you say? You're basically becoming a triathlete then. Oh, uh, no, no. Don't say that. I've done that in the past. And nothing against triathlons. I know. I'm the, swimming, the swimming is chaotic for me. Like, uh-huh. I look like a drowning squirrel, uh, <laughs> which is kind of entertaining since I'm from Florida and I'm from a state that literally is a peninsula. And I was on a, and I lived in a county that was a peninsula. So I lived oh, in a go. peninsula within a peninsula. Uh, my dad was in the Navy, but yeah, I do not swim very well. So you will not see me be trapped. But your chosen home is Colorado and we have zero water. So exactly. Well, we yeah. We have lakes. And nothing with triathletes. I love triathletes. I oh, 100%. Really Ironman, but yeah. Good, but good friends of mine are Ironman athletes. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> like it's, it's, I've embraced that. And yeah. I, I think that's the reason why we are friends just because I'm like, yeah, okay. I see badassery. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, Well, thanks for explaining that because I think it's helpful just as a nice little reminder, like, Hey, you know, check in with yourself because things do change and evolve. Maybe even after you have taken some time off of training or riding and you're getting back into the mix, um, things can change, things can adapt and your body can change. So I think it's, it's important to like really respect that and give yourself that grace and and ask for help when you need to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Speak up. Now, now I know not everyone, um, you know, 
with my business, I'm all about accessibility. That's one reason why I have Shred Strong because, mm-hmm. hey, not everyone needs like one-on-one coaching or training and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of folks might have some difficulty with affording a professional bike mm-hmm. fit. Now, I know you and I, we know the value of it. Mm-hmm. And we sure. know that it is definitely a great investment, but you know how it is. After you spend money on buying a bike, it might not be something that you're able to do just yet. So maybe giving people a chance after they buy a bike, you know, to save up money for a bike fit. If that's in if that's in their cards, um, but if they're unable to get a professional bike fit, you know, are there things that maybe you suggest that they do themselves until they're able to afford a bike fit, or mm-hmm. or maybe if they're not able to afford it, period, you know, like what are some things that they can do to kind of optimize their fit as best yeah. as possible? You know, I love this question, and it's socioeconomic um, uh, differences are something I'm very passionate about. Yeah. It has become uh, sort of difficult to answer this question because of what I do. Yeah. I'm in the moment with individuals and working right there with them and focus on that individual. So mm-hmm. uh, saying that, I want to make sure that um, people know that our cycling has become way too expensive and insensitive to that for sure. Mm-hmm. I do want to say do it yourself or DIY bike fitting is really hard. So start by acknowledging that. It is hard to see ourselves objectively. We can more easily see ourselves subjectively. You know, you're out riding and how this hurts and it feel like it feels like it hurts a lot. So it must require a big change. Yeah. But oftentimes with adjusting the bicycle for the individual, it's minor changes. So think, be in the mindset of millimeters, which I know metric system seems wild, but in biking and in the rest of life, can we just stick with rules of 10? It's amazing. Inches are terrible. I'm renovating my kitchen and we have to do everything in inches. And I'm like, I feel like I went back to first. <laughs> millimeters are magical. There are 10 yes. millimeters in a centimeter. A centimeter, uh, there are 2.5 centimeters in an inch. So just for perspective. It's a very, very small amount of adjustment. Even if a problem feels big, it might require a small adjustment. So think about how you control your variables. So for example, ow, something hurts, or I don't feel like I'm balanced on the bike. Uh, Don't go change multiple things. Do one or two adjustments and then go ride. Think about yourself in the, the position objectively, not subjectively. Um, and make very minor changes. Try to stick with one change at a time. It's so mm-hmm. difficult. Um, and then yeah. I would say it is so difficult. And then back to the um, statement I made earlier about how to even have a good bike fitting. Expectations are so important when it comes to how you feel on a bike. I just did an article with uh, Bicycle Magazine, and, and I talked about expectations uh, as well. this It was all about saddles and how you should be on a saddle and so on. But setting the right expectations and knowing what good should feel like is the hardest part, in my opinion, of bike fitting or being a human being on a bicycle. Because so many people just do not know what good should feel like. And uh, so that's do some research and figure out. I mean, it's probably beyond what we can do in this podcast because the poor bicycle magazine uh, person who was absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. We spent like two hours talking about just saddles. <laughs> so it won't take us down that road. Uh, I love it. Day. Uh, but, um, you know, learn what the expectation should be on how you should feel. Hold yourself to discomfort 
in terms of musculoskeletal or neuromuscular is unnecessary. You shouldn't have to experience that on the bike. Certainly we're going to feel fatigued. We're going to have muscle problems. We need to do our um, maintenance and uh, recovery and take care of ourselves. And then I would say strength training. I mean, Mm -hmm. Jen, let's be honest, the stronger (laughs) you are, the smaller the margin of error is uh, for, or larger the margin of error is. Just had a there, but yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> the stronger you are, and um, there's not just strength, but also stability, and uh, yeah. you know our ability to control our bodies in space, and understand what neutral posture is, and hold that for a period of time, um, and engage the core, and not be so like loosey loosey yes. on the bike. Yeah, exactly. exactly, and know how to engage the core without. Um, you know, so much of us have to flex forward to engage the core. We have to do basically the position of a crunch. We should be able to yeah. engage our upper abdominals and hold ourselves on the bike without feeling as though we are holding up the world, you know, to have a good posture on the bike. And then I think the other thing is think about it this way before you are quick to, I know we're talking about if we're a little bit financially uh, loaded down by the whole being in the bike world, which is unbelievably costly and intimidating, but a good part, so a good bike part, let's say a saddle or handlebar or so on, but a good part in a bad position is usually worse than a bad part in a good position. Mm-hmm. So again, so often people um, are trying to be responsible and not just throw big money at problems, but they start reading online. And generally when you are reading a blog about, you know, a bike part, or if you're reading some marketing about a bike part, they're going to sell you on big problem fixes. Right. But I say it all the time because people want to, it's easier to kind of throw money at a problem than it is energy and time. But a good bike part in a bad position is a lot of times worse Mm -hmm. than a bad bike part in a good position. So just, you know, keep that in mind. Yeah. Uh, And you know, again, big pains, big discomforts uh, are not always, they don't always require big adjustments. I can't yeah. say that enough. Millimeters. Okay, I lowered my saddle, I raised my saddle, I lowered my saddle, I raised my saddle, and they've covered like a six inch span of saddle height, mm-hmm. for example, when they come in and, and I'll put it somewhere and I'm like, oh, that's the one place I didn't try. Okay. <laughs> Because they're too busy looking at extremes. And quite honestly, the same mindset is applied to my work as a health coach. Like, yeah, just tiny changes. Like, let's not, because everyone, and I get it, like, they're so ambitious, and I freaking love my athletes for that. Everyone wants to make these changes, you know, like all of them all at once. And I'm always like, well, sister, let's slow your roll. Mm -hmm. Let's just focus on this one thing for like one or two weeks, you know? And then you have that one variable, you know? And and it's, it's so good to just kind of do that and put perspective on that. And yeah, thanks for acknowledging the socioeconomic difficulties and variations yeah. in, in society and in our sport, you know, and I oh, think yeah. it's something that we should definitely yeah. talk about. Yeah. I mean, everything right now feels really intimidating, grocery shopping and whatnot. Oh but, God, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. And then I would say the other thing is uh, keep in mind that you can use some resources that are unusual to use for bike fitting. Um, so at my business, we accept HSA and FSA, and I think there are others that do. Uh, it's a little less common to have them accept insurance uh, or be at least in net worth 
network with insurance because insurance has just become so demanding. It's very hard to do. And generally um, insurance wants you to have about a 30 minute session with a PT or, or less. Uh, and that's how they want to reimburse. And very few people want to do a bike fitting with 25 sessions, you know, <laughs> not yeah. 20, what would it be? Um, six sessions or something. That'd be a really choppy experience. So, uh, but you could use out-of-network benefits as well. Uh, if you're working with somebody who is a healthcare provider and uh, a bike fitter, you could cons- call your insurance and see. Um, hopefully most people have insurance. It's really important. Uh, but call your provider and see if your plan and your provider provide out-of-network benefits of any type. You can take some of the sting off of it. No, that makes sense. Thanks for saying something about that. I wasn't aware of HSA and FSA for certain providers. Yeah, you include it, which is good to yeah, know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Very good to know. Oh, I so, wish I had my FSA. Maybe I could just use my wife's. Yeah, I'll just use your card. <laughs> hey, honey. Uh, yeah, I just got a bike fit. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I'll, I'll pay that. Yeah. Um, so, out of curiosity, what is the most common body pain or issue that you see in your office in particular? When it comes oh, to I knew you were going to ask me this, so I kind of have a good game. Uh, okay, so what is the most common? I don't know because it's not. Usually, again, Rubik's Cube, there's a couple problems. Yeah. Anytime yeah, yeah. somebody comes in, even think I'm in for a performance fitting. But uh, I would say neck pain, saddle-related pain or numbness and tingling, knee pain. I'm being super generic and, and not giving you yeah. specific medical. No, uh, I'm all about generalizations. We're good. People tend to turn the volume down when I say all these medical terminology <laughs> things. Uh, hand numbness and tingling and then lower back pain. And these things, I would say, are specific to... Uh, mountain bikers, maybe a different demographic would have a different presentation and whatnot. But in no specific order, neck pain, knee pain, lower back pain, okay. saddle-related issues, saddle sores, um, numbness, tingling, and then uh, I think I said hand numbness, tingling as well. So here's what I think. Pick a number and let's pay. Let's play bike pain roulette. And then we'll go down a rabbit hole about one of the problems. Okay. Okay. I like it. Pick, okay. pick a number between what, what are one my number five. options? One and five. five. Okay. Um, three. Three. Okay. Let's see. Neck pain. Oh, oh good. No. I'm so glad that was that one. Okay. 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 Cool. Okay. Well, that's wonderful. So what do you, what do you have questions about? What do you want to know about neck pain? I mean, well, I'm of course like, biased because I'm experiencing it right now. Yeah, well, that's just neck pain in general, you know, especially after sleeping. And then it definitely, funny enough, yeah, I feel the tricep weakness. I feel the front pec uh, into front shoulder and deltoid, like on the the cap of my deltoid, uh, mid-deltoid, and then holy hell, the back. Like to where I was like, because I saw my PT last week. Yeah. Because I was just, I'm hypermobile. So I was like, dude, needle me. Like, I'm in so much pain right now. I just uh-huh. need to get out of pain. Uh-huh. Um, and so the needling helped and the massage the next day helped for sure. Good. But, you know, I don't have funding to pay sure. for a massage every week right now. Right. So, yeah, just knowing that there's they're all interconnected and there is definitely, like, something going on, whether it's C5, C6 going on with my cervical that's generating down in my right arm. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But, sure. yeah, I can see it, like even on my trainer that's, you know, here behind me, oh, yeah. I, I'm on the bike and I'm, I'm having to fully engage my core just oh, to help like relieve some tension off of that right arm when mm-hmm. I'm in that position on the handlebars for my training rides. 
and you know, my training rides right now are an hour to two hours long, mm -hmm. uh, this phase. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, how do we address the neck pain issue when there is something that's maybe actively going on? Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing I see to talk about other people, our clients find, you know, sometimes they're looking up too much mm -hmm. and instead of moving their eyes more, mm -hmm. you know, up the trail or especially gravel cycles, I see this more with my gravel bikers mm -hmm. that I work with, uh, cause you kind of have to treat it like a road cycling position, you know, just let's not crank your neck, um, so much. So yeah, those are, I think the two, the two things with neck yeah. that I, that I see personally and also with my yes. athletes, if that helps. It does help. So I'll, I don't know how long you want to talk about this, but here we go. So <laughs> let's dive in. Okay, so let's dive in. When it comes to the neck, in my opinion, we have to kind of think about it like a game of numbers. We typically, I mean, you've heard Ellen term the, um, the term tech neck, right? Mm -hmm. We've all developed this forward head posture. I think a lot of us understand that, especially during COVID when everybody went out and bought their own home uh, desk set up and all these fancy yeah. chairs and, you know, so on. Um, we all probably did a little research about that. Mm -hmm. The important thing to remember is that we mold ourselves into a position, right? So what we do throughout the day generally determines how we're going to sleep. It generally determines how we're going to sit on a bike. And at some point we have to do something about it. Again, people working with yourself on opening up, the body strengthening in the opposite pattern. It's all beautiful work. Uh, we also have to think about what our joints are doing specifically. And so on average, we bend our head forward and in most cases, our lower back, uh, we flex forward about four to 5,000 times a day. And so, you know, if you're flexing forward four to 5,000 times a day, and you've almost molded yourself into a little bit of what we call kyphosis or a rounded back posture, you can't expect yourself to all of a sudden sit on a bike very, very differently, right? Yeah. So understanding what makes somebody better and worse and generally breaking the mold with something to address that posture is really important. And I like to do it in high doses, uh, but only one prescription, right? So here's mm -hmm. your exercise. I want you to do it pretty frequently. And at some point we start to tip the scale on, okay, I feel unnatural when I'm in a bad posture now. And it's much easier to just sit in a decent posture and then use some passive support. Occasionally, if you're somebody that's going to sit for a long period of time, you probably need a little bit of lower back um, support. Also thinking about the neck as um, a product of what your lower spine is going to do. So if you sit in a dump position, and I say dump because it's literally that position. So if you're having a bowel movement and you're sitting in yeah. that position on the bike or in your chair while you're working, there is not a way to have good posture in your neck. You can't, again, it's not in a vacuum. You can't have terrible lower back posture with good, back, uh, with good neck posture. Mm -hmm. and the same thing happens on the bike. Generally in fittings, I like to start in the back of the bike. If we can get the pelvis into neutral, the neck will just fall into place uh, the way it needs to, as long as you have the ability to do that. And if you don't have the ability to do that, we need to sit you up a little bit. But that's actually much less common. So many people, when they have lower um, uh, back pain or neck pain, they think, oh, I need to really raise my stem, which if you've ridden a mountain bike with a super high stem, it feels really wonky. Weird, yeah. Fun. So then you're going to be grabbing the handlebars, you know, as a death grip, and it's just this cycle. But no, 
on average, what needs to happen is that the, the lower back and this, the pelvis need to be neutral, which means that the saddle can't cause you perineum issues. It can't be causing you um, problems. It can't interfere with a good posture. It needs to help you support that posture, but not interfere with that posture. And then think about a neutral posture in your lower back and, and pelvis. From there, we just want a, a pretty neutral spine. We want to think about kind of a lengthened spine. We've all thought, we've all heard this again when we did all of our research for how to sit at a desk. Um, if you have a string at the top of your head and you're being pulled mm -hmm. to the ceiling, right? That's the same thing we do on the bike. We just don't need to use our limbs to do it. So we don't have to push with our arms to have a good posture. We shouldn't have to push with our legs to have a good posture. We should just be able to lay out over the bike. And then the number one uh, cause of neck problems is the complete counterintuitive answer is that most people again rounded back they have their handlebars too high Believe yeah it. Mm -hmm. um, it's mind-blowing uh how often that happens and i wish that i worked in very intuitive ways <laughs> i wish my job <laughs> fell all these really lined up intuitive things like oh, okay you have neck pain let's raise your handlebars yeah no, actually it's a matter of matching your lower back posture the angle of your lower back to where your shoulders need to be. And if wow. your handlebars are too high, what that will do is it makes it so that you have to have a lot of weight in your arms. Again, if you have neck problems and maybe have some tricep inhibition or some deltoid uh, guarding, like you have mentioned, mm -hmm. then all the weights in your arms, you can't use your core, mm -mm. right? You, you have to choose. <laughs> uh, yeah. What we want is for the shoulders to be in line with the ears the spine to be long and gentle weight in the hands. So that's the goal. It doesn't really matter what bike you're riding with the yeah. exception of, uh, you know, a true aero bike where you're yeah. the aero bars, but it doesn't matter what bike you're riding. Uh, that's our goal. It's the goal of lowering your handlebars or raising your handlebars. is not to change. Most of the time is not to change your lower spine posture. It's not to change your pelvis posture. Once your pelvis once you've found what is comfortable for your lower back and your pelvis, which has a lot of factors playing in hamstrings, and I won't take you down that road, um, mm -hmm. but then we just match where the, the arms need to be. A little bit nice. in the elbows and relaxed shoulders. Shoulders should be at the ears or lower. You should be able to engage your core without work. Your mm -hmm. core. Um, you know, it should feel like you're going to lift a gallon of milk, kind of engage the core, not mm -hmm. you're going to lift an awkward... 90 inch TV, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, and we go from there. So again, D, there shouldn't be a big mystery. There shouldn't, it shouldn't feel impossible. Now, certainly there are outliers where people have problems that are just those chronic issues where, um, you know, it's, there's a bigger onion to peel, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's doable. And oftentimes it's counterintuitive, which should make most people feel better because, um, most people do the intuitive things, you know, raise their handlebars, handlebars are too high, a lot of weight in the arms, those things. So. Yeah, no, yeah. it makes sense. Thanks for breaking it down. Just the importance of like alignment in general, especially starting with from the pelvic bowl, you know, yeah. saddle on up. And hey, out of curiosity, is that Bicycling Magazine article published yet? It is not. It is not. not. Okay, yeah. Um, I, I don't know when it will be published in the next probably two or three weeks. Yeah. That's usually how they work. It's usually after the interview, it's like within four yeah, weeks or so. Their job. She had to listen to yeah. me ramble for two hours. Yeah. And then I know. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I 
How many times can you say it depends in a uh, magazine article? They're so great. Like, I don't know. They're so great in that magazine. Yeah, yourself included. Yeah. No, thanks. But, like, they're just, they're they're so inquisitive, you know, and they, they ask good questions. And they make really good content, which is great. Um, and their content lately, they've been really wanting to to put an effort towards inclusivity, which is fantastic. And I've heard the writers say oh, that to me. Yeah, which is so great. Cover yeah. was so badass. Mm-hmm. Early yep, I know. And- I know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm here for it. I'm yeah. here for it. Yeah. Um, so is there anything that I missed? Oh, that's, that's bullshit. What'd you say? They should have had you on there. Oh, oh. Well, what do you mean? Like, oh, in the cover. Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh my God, no, 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 no. I'm already in the magazine a couple times. Like, it's fine. I'm, yeah. I'm happy to be a resource. I, I yeah. actually appreciate the fact that they've showcased those individuals for sure. Yeah. Um, they're the folks that need to be really like have a spotlight on. Uh, and Milo, Milo here agrees. He's asking for pets. No. So, is there any anything I missed or anything you want to add? Um. Oh, let's see. I, I think the biggest thing, and maybe I've said it before, and I know you say it a lot, it, cycling is supposed to be fun. Hell yeah. So, so often we get really, really, really sucked into the details of this or that and just make sure you're doing it for fun. No matter how small or large the event is, just make sure you're doing it for fun. The journey's fun and whatnot. And then, um, and you can be any size or shape or... Mm-hmm. Uh, have any you can be unique and it's not a good old boys club anymore hopefully I mean it still is but I think there are a lot of wonderful people as you said about the last um, um, bicycle magazine um, publication let's break those stupid norms that that people think are norms they're not norms yeah 100% and don't be scared to get an e-bike like I've had a couple clients yeah, I've had a couple clients come forward and they asked me, like, Jen, what are your thoughts on e-bikes? And I'm like, it's a bike. Do you want to go further and faster? Yeah. And yeah. Or yeah. have a, there... a way around a problem that otherwise can't be solved? Or exactly. whatever it is, there's so many reasons and they're so wonderful. Expensive. Yeah. Oh, good. It, yeah, definitely expensive. But I mean, I know that a couple of big bike companies have been having wonderful sales lately. Yes, they know, have. Um, and Specialized, just to speak of two phenomenal bike yeah. companies who who make really good e-bikes. Um, they do. And I think it's important because, you know, yeah, accessibility obviously is an issue, but here's the thing is like these clients in particular, they're navigating, they're navigating like long-term injuries that they've had for years, mm-hmm. you know, and they miss being on the bike and they just get, you know, it's too much, even after bike fitting and things like that. And, you know, it comes down to like them just getting an e-bike and it's so funny because after they get it, usually the next weekend or the next week, I get a message in my little app, you know, and they're like, Jen, this was the best decision ever, you know, or something along those lines of like, I had so much fun on my ride. I didn't complain once about my knee thing or whatever the heck they have going yeah, on. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, yeah, you know. And Another it's reason why people end up getting e-bikes or that people should is maybe one partner or the other, um, be it a, a romantic partner or just a friend, changes for some reason, either for the better or maybe um, for the slower. And you want to still ride together. Like, yeah. It's a beautiful thing. You yeah, might be yeah. a perfectly able-bodied, you know, no problems, no injuries, no anything. You just want to ride with your bike. It's beautiful. Yeah, I know. Or it's nice to have that experience. And you don't want to drive a car. 
Yeah, exactly. Do it. Yeah. Get the e-bike. Right. E-bike haters, if you're listening, I'd like to know why you don't like e-bikes. Yeah. Because I mean, I there are know. problems, you know, I get it. Yeah. But they're yeah. they're not problems that are, you know, they're overcrowding. Yeah. But that's a problem no matter who's riding what bike. 100%. Yeah, it doesn't really matter the actual vehicle, mm-hmm. for sure. So, all right, Natalie, I'm curious, how do you make shift happen? Oh, man, this, this question, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Uh, again, I think professionally, hopefully I can help people take the mystery out of feeling good on the bike. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a general. Um, and then, you know, I'm a fat cyclist and I'm good. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty cool. Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't used to, I was so hard on myself for body image reasons and whatnot. And I mean, I work hard, just as hard mm-hmm. as the people that are in a smaller body and, Hopefully that that helps. I've had a, a few people tell me that that is helpful, um, and obviously I have role models and uh, people who help me feel better about myself and normalize just being in a different body size. Uh, mm-hmm. And then um, cycling doesn't have a look, and so hopefully I'm I'm kind of helping people feel better about how they look. Oh yeah, yeah, and then just. Being a female in a male-dominated industry is hard. Um, mm-hmm. I've had a lot of mentorship from people who call me out on, wait, why are you selling yourself short? Or, you know, you're doing a better job, whatever it is. And uh, so hopefully I can be that mentor and that support for other people. So if you need that, all reach right. out. Yeah. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. I'm, all, I'm all for it. I'm all yeah. for it. All buddies on bikes. Hey, if you have a bike, you're a biker. <laughs> like, that's really, right. that's, that's <laughs> all the, you, you all have dreams about your bike and you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't have a bike yet, but you're like, yeah, man, I'll tell you what, all mm-hmm. I do is videos about mm-hmm. downhill mountain biking or how to get up. That's fine. That works. Okay. Yeah. 100%. Just dream yeah. it. Make it happen. Well, that's thanks right. for sharing that. So oh, yeah. how, how can people learn more about you and follow you? Like, where can they find you? Uh, well, learn more about me on my website, um, pedalfitpt.com. And then I'm on Instagram, but oh man, I'm so shy on there. I need to be more present, but you can reach out. I'm, I'm always responding to emails and, uh, and DMs and those kinds of things. Uh, we're on Facebook too, but I don't know. Facebook, it's kind of changed recently and become (laughs) a little political and, you know, a little different than what it used to be, but, uh, I'm not on Twitter yet, but. You know, get on threads. Day. If you're on yeah. Instagram, get on threads. Threads is like the happy place. Threads. So much okay. better than Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. So much better. Yeah. Uh, but Instagram, uh, we're pedalfitpt. Um, that's our handle. And then pedalfitpt uh, LLC or something like that on Facebook. Awesome. And you can give me a call. I'll share those calls. I love calls. Or like, hey, see you at the brewery or on the trail or whatever. Calls are a little harder for me because um, I'm on, I'm one on one with clients all day. Yeah. So um, shoot me an email, say you want to call, and then we'll we'll do a call. Well, sweet. And I'll share those show link those show links. I'll share the links in the show notes. Oh, perfect. Words are hard. Words are hard. Words are hard. Uh, so yeah, listeners, check out the links in the show notes. Follow yeah. Natalie. Follow Pedal Fit. Learn a little bit more and, you know, hopefully even if you're not in the golden and Denver area here in Colorado, hopefully you'll, you're able to find a bike fitter in your area. Ideally, maybe someone who has a PT background. 
Yeah, what were you going to say? I'm biased. I think yeah. that's really helpful. I was just going to say, um, try not to make these things just about, I try not to make these things just about me. It's just about raising expectations on, you deserve to feel good. And the number one question I get that, two, number two, sorry, two most common questions I get are, uh, what is your typical client? I don't think I'm your typical client. I, I don't think I write enough to you know, mm-hmm. that's BS. No such yeah. thing. The only bike I haven't done a fit on, uh, or the is a unicycle, and I think most fitters <laughs> should feel that way. Do an interview with a, a bike fitter. You know, if you're not in this area, that's okay. Do shoot them a message, tell them what you need, and get get the vibe, feel the energy. You want to mesh with this person. They're they're responsible for making you feel really good. Mm-hmm. And then the the last question is. I think I'm on the wrong bike. What happens if I come in for a bike fitting and I'm on the wrong bike? Just remember big pain does not mean big problems. Most people aren't on the wrong bike. Certainly there's a perfect bike for most people. It's not custom, but that doesn't mean you have to be on that one. You know, it shouldn't be that. Yeah. No, I love it. You took, you took out the mystique and fear, I think for a lot of folks. Cool. Hopefully. That's that's important because we, again, we want biking to be, more accessible for more people. And like, that's, I think part of it is just kind of trying to take away a little bit of the fear. Fear is normal. I'm not saying fear is bad, but like, let's, let's see if we can get past that fear, you know, yeah. and like make a little bit of changes here and stuff. Soothing. Like that. So, Soothe yeah. that fear a little bit. Exactly. I mean, what you're doing by, by bringing this information, not just this podcast, but your others um, as well. It's important. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks for being on. Of course. You're, you're part of this magical mystery tour here. Well, uh, <laughs> give yourself credit. Oh, yeah. Come on, Natalie. Come on. Come on. Don't, don't make me, don't make me slap you around here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, seriously, thanks for your time and energy and yeah. effort today for today's episode and like just sharing your knowledge and expertise. And hopefully it's kind of shed some light for a lot of folks on bike fitting and, and maybe, you know, made them aware of some things that could be going on for themselves that maybe they need to address. So. So yeah, thanks for coming on. You bet. Listeners, I appreciate you tuning in. I'm so grateful for you. If you found this episode helpful, please share it on Instagram uh, and tag at Shift Human Performance and at, is it Pedal Fit? Did you say Pedal Fit? PT, right? Okay, good. I was like, I, could, I blanked, I blanked, I panicked. Uh, so tag us both. That way we can see it and we can share and give you some love too. Uh, but anyways, in the meantime, check the show notes for everything and I will catch you next week. I am great for you. Have a good day.